Senegal is one of Africa's most stable democracies. It's got the second largest economy in West Africa. However, as the country develops and people live longer, cancer rates are surging. It's being echoed across the developing world and causing new problems. In this, the final episode of the 2014 spring season of Unreported World, I travel to Senegal to reveal how patients are being deprived of the single most important drug for relieving the pain of cancer, morphine. Senegal, one of Africa's most stable democracies and the second largest economy in West Africa. In the capital, one of its largest public hospitals is fighting a growing health crisis. Cancer. So here we are at the children's cancer unit at Dantec Hospital in Dakar, and it's the only unit of its kind in the whole country. What's he saying? <laughs> yeah, a big plane. Big plane. Hmm? Abdul Rahman is four years old and has retinal cancer. He's been in hospital for the last three months receiving chemotherapy, which has managed to shrink the tumour in his eye. See? That's you. Yeah? See? Yeah, but... Look, Mum. <laughs> his mother, Bambi, works as a cleaner. She's raised Abdul Rahman by herself in one of the poorest parts of Ties, a town over an hour away. How different is he now to how he was when you brought him to hospital? He wasn't playing when he first came here. I had to carry him on my back all day long because of the pain. So he's a different boy now? Yes, he's much better. What's his... <laughs> Abdul Rahman is one of about 200 children who come to this unit every year. They're able to treat many types of cancer here with success rates close to those of the West. Every day, they're saving lives. And the driving force behind it all is Professor Claude Moreira. These children are extraordinary. The joy of life these kids show their families and us. The joy we feel to see children who get better, it's extraordinary. Professor Moreira says one drug is absolutely critical to caring for his patients. Morphine. Show me where it's hurting. Leave him, leave him. OK, I'm not touching you. Don't cry. I want to give you medicine. Does it hurt when I touch this? Four-year-old Serene is in the late stages of cancer. He's in a lot of pain. While he's in pain, he's not going to trust anyone, but it's going to be OK. In the West, morphine is a basic mainstay for the treatment of pain. Without morphine, mm -hmm. what would Serene's condition be? 
very, very bad. She's, he's very painful and uh, it, it will be difficult for, for him to, to take medication, to eat and for the doctor to, to, cure, to cure him. Serene's dose is very precious. There's a desperate shortage of this drug in Senegal. When stocks are low, the hospital pharmacy gives children priority. But even here, they sometimes run out. Sona Njai is the psychologist at the children's cancer unit. Can you tell me what happens on this unit when you run out of morphine? Sometimes in, in the unconscious mind of people, and especially of children, they usually uh, create a correlation between the amount of pain they are experiencing and the gravity of their pathology. Uh, therefore, what the child experiences, and sometimes the, the parent might be thinking, is that this is the end of life, when oftentimes it's not even the case. That, that's a horrific notion. Um, sorry, even just, even just thinking about that makes me very upset. Um, we are completely distressed. It's extremely agonizing for us. We take it personally and we will not rest until we can find ways to alleviate the pain. Take this. Don't cry. Last month, the morphine supply in the children's cancer unit was interrupted for several days. Take it. This isn't a question of money. The raw materials for morphine come from the poppy fields of the developing world. And even by the time it's manufactured into a refined medicine, it isn't expensive. The trouble is, Senegal is only ordering a tiny fraction of the morphine it needs. Remove your hand a little bit. Shall I move it? In Senegal, morphine is a source of fear and suspicion. Many politicians are afraid medical stocks could be stolen and sold to drug addicts as heroin. So the authorities allow only a very small amount of morphine into the country. And the drug is so badly understood here that even some doctors fear its use in hospitals. Are they right or are they wrong to be afraid? They are wrong. They are wrong. It's obvious there's a fear of morphine. I would say, from the whole population, they ask themselves questions and don't find the right answers, otherwise there wouldn't be any fear. How frustrating is it that we are not talking about brain surgery, heart transplants, very, very complex things. We're talking about a simple supply of morphine. It's frustrating. It's unacceptable. The morphine crisis is only set to get worse. As Senegal develops and people live longer lives, cancer rates are surging. It's a problem across the developing world. I'm heading out of Dakar to where the majority of Senegal's population lives. I want to find out the impact morphine shortages have on ordinary people. 
If getting access to morphine is difficult in Dakar, outside the capital is virtually impossible. We've come to the main hospital in Senegal's second city, Touba. Magda? Magda. What is wrong with you today? My side is hurting. Sit up. Today I'm so tired. Matar is 25 years old. Six months ago, he was diagnosed with advanced liver cancer. A massive tumour protrudes from his abdomen. Can you tell me about the pain you're in? This is really painful, really painful. When I eat, I usually just throw up. It's really painful. Matar's cancer had already spread when he was diagnosed. His doctor, Mohamed Anifadi, says all he can do is try to manage the pain. He's given tramadol, a drug stronger than paracetamol, but much weaker than morphine. All I want is to be cured. I can't do anything. Don't imagine that I have any money. I'm useless at the moment. I just want help. I feel totally trapped and very sad. I'm very sad to be unable to help knowing that elsewhere there is medication that could improve his quality of life. But unfortunately, here it is not at our disposal. It's really very complicated. It makes us feel useless, completely useless. Matar's case is typical of most cancer patients in Senegal. They arrive at hospital too late for treatment and are therefore sent home. Without morphine, they spend their last days in agony. The great tragedy of this is that this isn't about poverty or Matar not being able to afford the drugs he needs. It's about a system that is stopping him from getting them. There are tens of thousands of people in Senegal who need relief from severe pain. But the government only orders enough morphine to treat a few hundred. Well, to find out why Senegal is ordering so little morphine, I've come here to the Department of Health in Dakar to talk to the officials responsible. Annette Sekenjai is head of the National Pharmacy, the government agency which regulates the supply of the country's morphine. It's her job to inform the International Narcotics Control Board how much morphine Senegal needs to import every year. All the doctors we've spoken to say they need much more morphine. So why don't you just import a lot more? Why don't you say Senegal needs much more morphine instead of one kilogram, five kilograms, ten kilograms? There is no problem. The problem is having that information. It's not just about saying that we need more because the use of morphine must be justified. To estimate the amount of morphine the country needs, the National Pharmacy looks at the number of prescriptions written by doctors. The trouble is, 
Most doctors in Senegal don't write morphine prescriptions because they know it isn't available. But do you see that while you are saying we need the, the data, the precise amount that we need, and that is for the doctors, there are people dying in pain in Senegal now because of bureaucracy. There must be a way to cut through this that is quicker. We are obliged to follow the rules that apply in Senegal. You know that the use of a single ampule of morphine must be justified. So without precise data about the real needs of the country, the authorities simply order the same amount year in, year out, going back decades. As far as morphine is concerned, Senegal is stuck in the 1960s. What's clear from our time in the hospitals is that the doctors want more morphine, but the officials responsible for delivering it say, well, the doctors aren't telling us how much they need us to bring into the country. So there's a bureaucratic vicious circle going on, and it's the patients who are suffering. Back in Dantec Hospital, the doctors alert me to another victim of the morphine crisis. Bonjour, Kuba. Eldor? She's sleeping. Aminata is 24 and has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's a treatable but aggressive blood cancer which has caused her neck and face to swell up. She's in a lot of distress, has trouble hearing or speaking, and communicates only with the help of her mother, Kuba. When did Aminata become sick? She has only just become engaged. She met a man who fell in love with her. The illness started after they paid the first dowry. Does she look like you? <laughs> Maybe she was more beautiful, but then the illness did this to her. Yesterday, Aminata began a new course of chemotherapy. It's left her feeling terrible and in great pain. But despite being in the capital, the only place in Senegal where morphine is stocked, she's been told the hospital has run out. Paracetamol. Aminata has been in agony. She's strong, but sometimes she cries, and when she cries, I cry too. I just cry. Eleven euros. It's a public hospital but patients have to pay for all their prescriptions. Kuba shows me the invoices for Aminata's treatment. 11 euros every time. We're exhausted. This morning they gave us two more prescriptions. I have nothing. I'm not paying. I'm returning home. Kuba's confused as to why she's paying for expensive chemotherapy drugs, which cost her so much money and yet seem to make Aminata feel worse. She appears unaware. That's often how chemotherapy works. So she wants to take her daughter home. Do you not feel that it would be bad for Aminata to go home? Here, the doctors 
know how to care for her. If you go home, you will have no help. The money is gone. I'm just sitting here without help. Isn't it better just to go home? So what you have here is a patient who has had morphine pain relief, but then it stops dead and is taken away, and the pain returns with a vengeance. That isn't just a system that doesn't work. It is incredibly cruel. At the hospital pharmacy, I want to know when a new batch of morphine will arrive to ease Aminata's pain. There is lots. Il y a beaucoup. C'est tout le morphine. This is all morphine. When did this arrive? Le 18 mars, hein? March the 18th, so, so six days ago. This arrived six days ago, yes, last week. It's good news, the shortage is over. But if morphine has been here for several days, why has Aminata not been given any? Can any patient from this hospital with a prescription get this medicine? Yes, of course. Every patient that comes to the hospital. So there doesn't seem to be a single reason why Aminata should still be suffering. I go back to try to speak to the doctor in charge of her care. She's in her office. I find her in the lobby, but she isn't keen to talk. I don't have the information that you need. Go check yourself. No, but, but not on camera. You don't have the right to film here. He does not have the right to film. He has no right to film. Doctor, it's your responsibility. Sure. She won't speak on camera, but I get a few minutes in her office. Aminata's doctor won't give us an interview, but it's become clear from my conversation with her why Aminata hasn't got any morphine. The doctor says she never wrote a prescription for it because nobody had told her it was available. We've been to the pharmacy, we know it's here, but doctors are so used to it not being available that they aren't even bothering to look. I want to tell Kuba and Aminata that morphine has arrived. Oh. Oh, she's gone. Kuba has taken her desperately sick daughter back home. It's an 11-hour drive away. We learn that a local church has given Aminata one box of OxyContin, similar to morphine, before she left. But that will only last a week. What's utterly heartbreaking about Aminata's story is that she's fallen victim to so many things at once. The shortage of morphine, the fact that her doctor didn't realize that new stock had arrived, her mother not having the money to pay for new prescriptions, and now they've left because they felt they weren't getting any better without realising that there is morphine in that pharmacy that could take away her pain. And she's now going to a really remote part of Senegal where she doesn't have a chance. 
It's obvious someone at national level needs to take control of this situation. I've tried to get an interview with the Minister of Health, but her office keeps saying no. So I track her down to a medical conference. Dr. Kolsek, hello, we're from British Television. Can we have a moment? No, I, I told you, I told them I will not speak with you because I have not been informed. We handed them a couple of questions about morphine that we would like to ask. Uh, but the minister says we haven't given them enough notice of uh, what we want to ask, and so she refuses to talk to us. Today is Abdul Rahman's last day in hospital. So when are you going home? Soon. Do I have lots of girlfriends or not? Lots of girlfriends? Yes. Professor Marrera tells me about Abdul Rahman's prognosis. It's a relapse. It's a relapse. It's, so it has already spread. Yeah. So his prognosis is not good. He's such a sweet boy. Yes, when the plastic is not good, and we know it uh, at the beginning, it's, it's sad. Back at his home in TS, I pay Abdul Rahman a visit. The doctors at Dantec have been clear with Bambi about her son's heartbreaking prognosis. But she clings to the hope that if he was taken abroad for treatment, he might get better. I feel so much for him. Every time I look at him, I cry. The most important thing now for Abdul Rahman is to make sure he's comfortable and free from pain. What have the doctors given you to make sure you can do that? Morphine works best. When he's got a stomachache, he doesn't want to play. He comes to me and cries. But when I give it to him, he stops crying and goes to play. The team at Dantec have provided morphine for Abdurrahman for the coming weeks. But given the nature of shortages, it's a supply they can't guarantee. Abdurrahman's case tells you everything you need to know about this crisis. It's utterly important that he has an unbroken supply of morphine to make sure this little four-year-old boy doesn't suffer any more pain in his final months. This scandalous shortage of morphine is being repeated across the developing world and affects millions. It is needless cruelty, but without the political will to change, vulnerable people remain deprived of humane treatment and an end to life free of pain.
Thanks for listening to the Unreported World podcast. Please continue the conversation on Facebook and Twitter or catch up with past episodes until we bring you more insights into the lives of people in some of the fastest changing areas of the world. From me, Krishna Guru Murthy, goodbye. <laughs>